the sentiment of that song, that last one we sang, very touching, isn't it? Hand in hand with Jesus our Savior. It is certainly a thoroughfare of life. It is a, a desire. It is something that will move us to think about walking hand in hand with Him, of course, in the marvelous place called heaven. It is good to be together today. So many blessings, of course, come as you and I collectively assemble in the way we are. The lesson I have invited you to consider with me this morning, as you can see behind me, is entitled Two Words, New Year. And certainly, there are many things about not only this year, but the next, that I would invite you to consider at least briefly this morning. Some of these ideas might well begin with this very basic introduction. In a normal year, there are 52 Sundays, and this is a normal one, at least in terms of that regard. And that would mean then that today is the 52nd time, the 52nd first day of the week that we've enjoyed this year. 52 times in collective character on Sunday mornings on the first day of the week, we've had the privilege of assembly, the privilege of doing that which God has commanded. It's not our prerogative to set those meetings aside, and therefore we have, throughout the difficulties, continued that meeting that honors the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that He established, and puts in place the solidity for you and for me. You know, there are some things that man just can't change. Though men may legislate and attempt to execute and may make numbers of changes, at least in their mind, there are certain things that man cannot nor shall he ever be able to change. Today, as we give thought to a new year, why don't you and I close that slide by this little observation. The word new only has three letters in it. N-E-W, and yet as you and I often employ that word, we use it in a host of ways. But today, why don't we see what the Bible has to say? As you and I think about some ways God has used that word, we'll start our journey in the Old Testament. In fact, isn't it fascinating? In fact, the more you reflect upon it, I would suggest that all of us might learn much from it. But in the infinite wisdom of God, He has chosen to divide the passage of time into small segments. Now, he didn't have to do it this way. And you and I know, for example, with regard to the passage of time, there is this element we call a day. And we all know that as 24 hours pass by, one arrives at a new one of these things. And there are seven of them every week. And so it is that with regard to the day, aren't you thankful? that there certainly is an element of newness connected to the day. Whatever transpires today, there is, of course, a better hope for tomorrow. If you're sick today, you certainly hope you'll feel better tomorrow. If there's an issue or problem that is so much plaguing you today, there's hope that it will be eased tomorrow. The Bible often speaks about this. I've asked you to notice just a few of the verses there, and I've only listed a small number of those that might have been. But look at some of these things, and sometimes the essence of tomorrow in the Bible brought about things that were worse. That's important to note too, isn't it? For instance, think about number 16. In that rather interesting chapter, you and I recall that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had made their choice to rebel against God. They had chosen to behave in such a way inconsistent with His will. Through the power of God, Moses stood before them and said, Tomorrow 
you will appreciate God's matter in this subject. Now, you and I know tomorrow came for them, and they also lost their life that day. In other words, God dealt with that matter, but He didn't deal with it today. For them, it was tomorrow. On a new day, they were to experience what they had never experienced before. Isn't it true that certain circumstances in other biblical passages remind us of today versus tomorrow? In Esther 5 verse 12, you may recall that the queen made her choice of dealing with the matters of Haman in the way she did, and she in fact pleaded with the king, tomorrow come to this meal that I've prepared. You'll notice it wasn't prepared that day, it was to occur the next day. In your life and mine, you and I often appreciate the fact that with each new day comes possibility, comes potential. It comes by way of experiencing that which has not been the case today. And so it is. In Lamentations 3 verse 23, speaking of the mercies of God, they are new every morning. In the morning, a lovely time to appreciate the newness consistent with that particular or given day. It's fair to say in that light that that element in newness takes us to that next time period I ask you to consider. You and I notice then with regard to the day, what about the month? The Word of God, oddly enough, and also interestingly enough, spoke about new months. Now, you and I realize that the character of the year is also divided, and as it was in the days of old, into 12 months. And thus, with the occurrence of the passage of time, you would have the opportunity to experience a new month. Now, in the Old Testament, they kept track of that by way of the moon. And not surprisingly, the Bible thus references the new moon. Now, even to this day, we still call one of the phases of the moon the new moon. And yet, in the Old Testament, it was such that God commanded certain sacrifices to occur at the new moon. He commanded the blowing of trumpets at the new moon. Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. With that regard, consider this. Isn't it then true the ancient Hebrews would have had to be mindful of the passage of time and thus contemplate a new month? May I suggest to you that we can be thankful. As far as serving God that way, that has been taken away and nailed to the cross. In Colossians 2, verses 14 to 16, Paul was able to write that the new moons are no longer that which you and I are demanded and commanded to keep, at least as far as service to God. Whether it be the day, whether it be the month, that does bring us to not only the third observation, but the one that serves as the title of the lesson today, the new year. It was also true that in the passage of time, God made note of the year. And thus, as the turning of the time would become a new year, God's people were told certain things. In Exodus 12, verse 2, God thunderously said, This is the first month of the first year. They were to count from that time forward in terms of their chronology and in terms of their timekeeping matters. For that reason, we notice that in the chapters that follow it, then things were dated concerning that. So in the second year, the people of God put together the tabernacle. 
And later on, the character of that year was highlighted in as much as, remember, every seventh year they were to let the land lie fallow. And every 50th year was a jubilee year. You can easily see with me that those people were just as interested, maybe more so, in the character of timekeeping than we are. You and I know that if God so blesses us, that later this week we shall turn the calendar to a new year. 2021. Now it is 2021 AD, so Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. It is in fact based upon the nature of when the Master here walked upon this earth. But isn't it fascinating to contemplate the new year? What would the ancient Hebrews have thought about it? After all, as that new year became reality for them, what about for us? Before you, of course, a slide, that will not be anything new or greatly in terms of revelation. But you and I know the year 2020 is soon to take its place in the annals of history. It will often be studied and analyzed and reflected upon, but not one thing about it will ever be changed. Come Friday of this week, again, if God so sees fit, we will be to January 1, 2021. With regard to this year, 2020, it certainly has brought some things in the midst of all the challenges that are worthy of some celebration. Two baptisms at the Pippin congregation this year. Fourteen times an individual who felt him or herself wavered from the Lord chose to be restored. And we celebrated every time. And don't you know the angels in heaven did too? Luke 15, 7. Don't you know that in regard to all of those considerations, individuals drawn nearer to the truth of the God of heaven were thankful for each and every one of them. But not only that, we can certainly celebrate many personal victories and triumphs and successes, and no doubt we've known many. To say all of that is to say we've also known the challenges of this year, and it's been a very challenging one to say the least. We've known sickness in abundance. We have known a disruption in our services. Who would have thought it? For a period of seven weeks back in late spring, we didn't meet on Wednesday night or Sunday night or for Sunday morning Bible study. And in fact, we currently are involved in the same kind of meeting schedule. In the midst of all of those challenges, some of us have known in our own families a great deal of sickness. I know that we're hopeful that the matter of that will be lifted somewhat as we turn the page into a new year. But at the very least, we can say this. There are some things that should remain at the forefront of our thinking, at the forefront of our consideration, and let me invite you to use the remainder of our sermon today to in fact think about them. A brighter circumstance, if you please. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, that will be the thesis for the remainder of the, of the subject time this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. In the midst of that discussion to that church in Corinth that now took place almost 2,000 years ago, to those people who themselves were challenged in many ways, to those people who in the midst of their current circumstances were battling a government that was not in favor with them, a church surrounded by evil, a church surrounded by challenging cultural difficulties on every hand, Paul said this, Now there are about a three, faith, hope, 
charity. And the greatest of these is charity. No doubt we've often given some thought to the way in which that church would have heard that message. It was a church that knew its challenges and it knew its problems. And yet in the midst of them, this was the thoroughfare that could get them out of it and could provide them with the necessary fortitude to deal with it correctly. May I suggest no less should be true of us. Let's look at each one then very, very, rather briefly. He said at the beginning of the list, there abides but three. Now that's not to say that there aren't other important matters that might be listed, but these three are those that are in essence the pinnacle, the zenith, the apex, faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 will remind us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the channel, the set of glasses, if you please, that gives us the proper vision on what now is and what can be. But it is faith. Without, God, without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11.6. And thus, it must be critical. Isn't it true that it is our desire, the Pippin congregation, the Pippin church of Christ, be strong in faith? The New Testament will speak about congregations, some of which were strong, some of which not so much so. It is our hope, it is our goal, is it not, that we collectively be a congregation of great strength and faith. It goes without saying, though, that that will only happen if we are individually strong in faith. We can't possibly expect that collectively we'll be strong if we're not individually that way. And therefore, as we begin to contemplate the new year, how is your faith and mine? Is it strong? We shouldn't deceive ourselves. The Bible encourages us in that regard, doesn't it? Do you recall that statement that was made in Romans 4 verse 20? With regard to the church in Rome... Paul, using the example of the ancient man known as Abraham, he said, Abraham staggered not the promises of God, but was strong in faith. He took what God said and acted upon it. Though he was an aged man when Isaac was born, he took what God said and acted upon it, though God said, you leave where you now live and you go to a new place that you've never seen before. In your life and mine... We appreciate, do we not, that that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. And therefore, as we strive for and yearn to be those strong in faith, that will be built upon the reality of God's Word thoroughly. We will seek then to implant it into our thinking and use it to guide our behavior, our conduct, our way of life. It will determine the way we think. It will determine the way we talk. It'll determine the things that we do. As you and I begin to contemplate a new year, may I ask each of us, how is your faith? Is it strong or like that gentleman that Jesus described back in Luke chapter 7, is it weak? For if our faith is weak, we might well be blown about with every wind of so-called doctrine. Ephesians 4 verse 16 we might be those who find ourselves in great regretfulness on the day of judgment because Hebrews 13 verse 9 will remind us that we'll not be pleasing.
faith. You may notice on that slide, I've asked you to consider then that as Paul mentioned it to the Corinthians, it gives us opportunity to ask. Isn't it true that sometimes resolutions are made in regard to the new year? A particular decision about making changes in life. May I suggest that we then might do very well to analyze critically my faith. Is it as strong as it can be? Am I working toward its increase? I'm reminded, I'm sure you are as well, that the apostles, the very ones who were in the presence of Jesus, they saw Him. They heard Him preach. They watched Him work miracles. And they pleaded with Him, increase our faith. They wanted more faith. Is that what you and I want? Is it that important to us? If it isn't, we might need to make some critical changes as the year 2021 comes before us. What next was on that list that Paul mentioned? Not only faith. You notice he mentioned hope. As another element in that great list of things, he mentioned hope. We frequently employ that word, and for the next moment or two, why don't we think about the way the Bible uses it? First of all, from Psalm 39.7, it is critical that our hope be etched or based in God. I mentioned a moment ago, and no doubt we all have matters like it in mind. We maybe wish that 2021 will have a different character than 2020 had. That some things won't be so much a part of it. I might note that's a fair wish. It's not the same as Bible hope. Bible hope begins with these descriptions. Colossians 1.23, hope that is centered in the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be the all, both above, beyond, and beneath that which is our hope. Not only that, in Colossians 1.5, ultimately, its destination is clear. That hope is laid up in heaven. Right now, we could ask the same question of all of us. Where is your hope? If it's in anything in this life, it is sorely misplaced. It is terribly misdirected. For if our hope doesn't lead us beyond the grave, what good is it? If in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, we're of all men most miserable. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. Right now, if you die today, are you going to heaven? If you cannot say yes to that, it's time to do something about it. Don't wait another moment. It's time to rush to the side of Jesus Christ. For you see, hope that is only in this life, what good is it going to do you on the day of judgment? The Bible reminds us, doesn't it, that that hope anchored in Christ and centered in the gospel takes you to verses like Revelation 21, 27. With regard to heaven, there is nothing that defiles. Nothing. You might note it with me again, nothing. Nothing impure, nothing that mars, nothing that tarnishes, nothing related to sickness, nothing related to evil, nothing related to iniquity, ungodliness, or sin, nothing. With regard to heaven, isn't it true that it is grand to consider what will not be there? But could I invite us all to remember perhaps the grandest of all things about heaven is what is there. The God of heaven is there. 
Jesus Christ is there. The Holy Spirit is there, and all the faithful of all the ages is there, shall be there. That should make us want to go there too, surely. No wonder in that regard, I'd like to read a passage from Revelation 7. In verses 14 to 17, the book of Revelation has these amazing words. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which have come out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes." The moments of tears that we have known here. Tears of sadness and tears of hurt. And when there are those that we love and they make very bad decisions and we shed tears because of it, none of that will happen there. It says God will remove all those tears. Isn't it true then that you and I hope for heaven? And the Bible definition of hope is confident expectation. What about your hope and mine? If we need to make some changes in our life as the year 2021 approaches, now would be a good time to begin making them so that our hope will be stronger, more steadfast, and more earnest. As we close that slide, though, what about the third one? There was faith and there was hope, but there was charity. You and I call it love. The greatest of these is love. I chose to list at the outset of that slide the fact first of God's love for us. It has often been noted, and I suppose it's entirely fair to say, that in John 3.16, maybe the most paramount word in that verse is the two-letter word, so. God so loved. That little adverb, so, carries such force and such magnitude. It's not that God just loved us at a distance. He so loved us that He gave His Son. And certainly now, over 1,900 years ago, the Son of God went to a cross. Not because He of His own volition or anything else, but rather He chose to out of His love for us. Isn't it fascinating then to notice the Holy Spirit's love for us as well? Noted in Romans 15, verse number 30, All of that brings us to say this. You and I then, not only God, but we must be those of love. For that is the greatest of all, loving God, loving our neighbor as ourself. Do you and I love the truth? Do you and I love the truth? The truth is lifted to such a high plateau in the Word of God. Jesus said, it's by the truth you'll be made free. John 8, 32 It is by virtue of the truth that we learn in the books of 2nd and 3rd John, the character of what draws us near to God. Do you and I love it? If we do, we'll never miss a Bible study if we can possibly help it. We won't miss the worship services if we can help it. We'll find the opportunities then to lift high the reality of that truth because 
the truth is the greatest of all things in regard to these treasures. Not only that matter, but what about loving each other? Jesus said that would be the litmus test of our identity to Him. I ask you to consider the text in 1 John 3.18. For therein we learn that our love for one another, our love for the truth, our love for the things of God will guide our thinking and our behavior. That too then can provide a good question for us. How is my love? Do I love God? Do I love His Son? Do I love the Spirit? Do I love His people in the church? If so, then you know what a strength in life that makes. But if not, that's something to start changing as the new year comes upon us. One last thing on that slide then would be this. The statements at the very bottom, I directed in this regard. The greatest of all elements in newness in the Bible is presented Somewhat differently than these things I've mentioned. For you see, the greatest idea in terms of newness is not related to the calendar. We've noted about the new day and the new month and the new year, but Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Behold, all things are passed away. The old things are passed away. All things are become new. He was referring to those who are faithful members of the body of Christ, those who serve the Lord, and for us, regardless of the day of the year it is, we are devoted to being servants of God, be it yesterday, be it today, be it tomorrow. And whether it be December 31 or be it January the 1, our conviction and our service to God will go unchanged and unaltered and unchallenged I hope as you and I begin to contemplate then the new year, for if God blesses us with just a few more hours, it shall be a reality that our intent will be to serve Him faithfully. For that reason, the conclusion page looks like this. The year 2020, as we've noted, is just about to take its place in the annals of history. And 2021, with all of its potential and its possibility, it now stands as a crescent before us. May we seek in it to live circumspectly, Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because we know the days are evil. You and I know that there's coming a moment, a time when our hope will be reality for those that are the faithful of God. Today, as you and I check our faith and our hope, and our love. How is the check looking? Is the examination a good one, or are we failing the test? If things are showing up in a very negative light, let's make some changes. Let's try to make this new year a more powerful element of personal service to the matters of the truth, and seek then to be those who will be a bright and powerful force for good in every way in which you and I can do that in life. But today, as the Lord's invitation is extended, we do that in a public character at this point. As you analyze yourself and your life, if you need to make changes concerning the elements involving faith or hope or love, it would be a sweet, sweet day to do it. We'd be honored to provide assistance in whatever way we can. If you need to obey the gospel today and put the Lord on in baptism, did you notice in Revelation 7 verse 14, it made reference to those who were washed in the blood of the Lamb. That happens in baptism. 
If you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, why not today? There could never be a better day, way to start the new year than that. But if you have known the way of Christianity and have chosen to walk away from it, cho- choosing to do that which you know is not in keeping with the Word of God, today's the day to come back home to come back to faithfulness, to come back to that hope that the Bible will so lovingly again reinstate for you. It requires repentance on your part and confession of those errors. And then we, as the people of God in this community, would love to pray to God, not only thanking Him for the element of forgiveness, but beseeching that on your behalf. If today we could be of assistance or help, we'd love to do it now while together we stand and sing the selected song.